This morning I will be reading from Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We are grateful for your presence. If you're visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. If you are in the process of looking for a church home, we invite you to consider the work here at Olive Branch. I know that the elders would be more than happy to sit down and discuss with you the many opportunities for service in this congregation as well as in this community. In our study today, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 2, and I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews the second chapter. We're going to be looking at several different texts in the book of Hebrews. Before we do that, I do want to add that Raymond mentioned earlier that the Friday night Valentine's party was a great success, and we appreciate each and every person that was present. We're very grateful for the delicious food that was prepared. The young people did a, just a fantastic job in serving uh, it just was a great, great evening, and we appreciate everyone working together to make that such a special evening. And so if you had the opportunity to be present, I know that you would echo with me that it was just a very fine evening. In our study today, we're going to be talking about hindrances to our spiritual life. It's my conviction that as God's people, one of the things that we need to do is to guard or protect our spiritual life. We need to see our relationship with the Lord as something that is very special, that we want to guard or protect, that we want to make sure that that relationship, the fellowship that we enjoy with the Lord remains intact. And yet there are times when, because of various circumstances in life, as a result of the work of Satan, that we let our guard down and ultimately we yield ground, spiritually speaking. In the book of Hebrews, we find that there are some exhortations to faithfulness. And one of the problems that existed in the first century among the Hebrew Christians was they were on the verge of going back to Judaism. Some may have already gone back to Judaism. And what the, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to stress is faithfulness to the Lord. Really, if you wanted to sum it up, the question would be, why would you want to go back to an inferior system? Why would you want to go back to the law of Moses? The law of Christ is superior in every way. And so, having said that, I want us to think for a moment or two about some real hindrances to our spiritual life in Christ. The first thing that I would call your attention to is the danger of drifting. When we talk about drifting, we're emphasizing the danger of apathy. It might be summed up in the word neglect. And really, what happens when people begin to drift spiritually is that they are neglecting some very important aspects of Christianity. 
Look, if you would, at chapter 2 at verse 1 of the book of Hebrews. The writer in the long ago said, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed, a footnote says, all the more careful attention to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. Some translations will say, lest we let them slip. And the idea is that spiritually speaking, we begin to drift in our relationship to the Lord. Now, bear in mind, the Lord has not moved. If anyone moves, it's us. Now, drop down, if you would, to verse 3. In verse 3, the question is asked, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The real reason why people drift spiritually is summed up in verse 3. It's called neglect. There are times in life when we neglect certain things. If we neglect to pay our bills, ultimately we're going to have a problem with our creditors. If we don't pay our light bill, then we're going to have a problem with the power company. If we fail to, to pay our water bill, again, we're going to have a problem with the utilities commission. The Bible says that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have spoken, lest we let them drift, unless we, as the people of God, begin to drift. What are some things that you and I could neglect that will ultimately become a hindrance to our spiritual life? Let me suggest, first of all, we could neglect the Scriptures. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just trying to look at the Bible. And there are some very real reasons why people drift or slip, spiritually speaking. One of the reasons is because people will neglect their Bible. They neglect the Scriptures, the Word of God. Did you know that one of the things that you and I need to do every day is read the Bible. And not just read it, but study it. Meditate upon it. Take the truths of God, incorporate them into our lives. Make them a part of, of our being, of our fiber. The psalmist in the long ago said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. In Psalm 119 at 105. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 15, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Over in the book of Hosea, Hosea indicted the people of God in the long ago, he said, because they were not growing spiritually. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you and I do not spend time in the word of God, we're going to die, spiritually speaking. In Hosea chapter 8 at verse 12, the prophet said, I have given unto them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Have you ever been separated from a friend or a family member for an extended period of time? 
maybe as a result of where you live or maybe your occupation or some of the things in life, you're prohibited from staying in touch, in touch with somebody that maybe is very close to you. I suspect that all of us have probably been separated from people that we love from time to time. It's not uncommon to hear individuals when they see one another again to say, where have you been, stranger? Well, what's the point? Could God say to you, where have you been, stranger, when it comes to my word? God, through the prophet, said, I gave unto you the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Here were people that were entrusted with the very oracles of God based on Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And yet, because they had laid aside the word of God, His commandments, His word, were strange in their ears. So don't neglect the scriptures. But also, there's the possibility that we might neglect our supplications or our prayers to God. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You and I have a great blessing when it comes to praying. God communicates to us through His Word. We communicate to God through prayer. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. God's ears are constantly open to our cries, to our petitions, to our supplications. But if you're not praying on a regular basis, you'll find yourself drifting. I don't know of anybody in the body of Christ that doesn't need help living a faithful life. We need, we need a lot of things to, to keep us on course. The scriptures, prayer, encouragement from fellow members of the body of Christ. There are a lot of factors that go into keeping us on track. But if you're not praying to God on a regular basis, you're going to have trouble staying true to the Lord. Let me also add to this idea, there is the danger of neglecting the services of the church. That would be Bible study and worship. Now we meet here at Olive Branch twice a week for Bible study. We meet two times every Sunday for worship. Now there are a lot of people in the world today that, that will say, you mean to tell me I've got to come to Bible study and worship four times a week or three times a week? Well, let me ask you this question. Why would you not want to come? Can you give me a good reason why you don't need to be here? Is it going to impede your spiritual growth? Is it going to make you less as a child of God by being here? The answer to that would be no. If anything, it's going to help you. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In Hebrews chapter 10, 
the writer is talking about in that context apostasy. And I think it's worth pointing out that linked to the apostasy that he is describing in that context is the forsaking of the assembly. If you're not attending worship services and Bible study, it's going to be hard for you to grow spiritually. It's going to be hard for you to grow closer to the Lord on a regular basis. So my exhortation to you, don't neglect the services of the church. Plan to be here. Make it a point. Don't get up on Sunday morning and say, are we going to go to services today? When Sunday evening rolls around, don't look at one another and say, are we coming tonight? Are we going to attend services tonight? Make it a point. Mark it down. Make it a part of your life. Say, we're going to be here. Come what may. So, neglect. Neglecting the services of the church. Let me also suggest that another way that people drift spiritually is when they neglect servanthood. Now, the Bible talks repeatedly about the fact that you and I, as God's people, are servants. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 18, that we are the servants, we are the slaves of righteousness. We are to use the members of our body as instruments of righteousness for good. Now, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that will drift in their relationship to the Lord because they're not involved. One of the the great things about being involved in the work of the church is it helps you to drop an anchor. It's going to give you some stability. There are a lot of things that you and I can do in the body of Christ. All of us have varying responsibilities and varying abilities. What we need to do is isolate whatever abilities that we can can perform and then do them. Work together. Let me just challenge you with this. If you'll make it a point to go and visit somebody. Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 25, I was sick and what? You visited me. Go visit somebody who's sick or shut in, who has been experiencing some trials and difficult times in their life. I will promise you one thing. You will walk away feeling better than the person you visited. They will end up inspiring you. I can promise you that. Go visit somebody. Visit somebody that's had a lot of trouble and you will walk away counting your blessings. Don't drift. Number two, turn over to chapter three. In chapter three, there is the danger of deceit. In verse 12, the Hebrew writer said, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You and I, we would readily agree that we have to guard against the adversary 
the nefarious work of the devil. The Bible talks about how we are to be sober, to be vigilant. Our adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The writer in Hebrews chapter 3 brings to mind some experiences that the Israelite people had following their deliverance out of Egyptian bondage. And as a result of their bad experiences, the writer is saying, don't fall into the same trap. He uses the expression, the deceitfulness of sin. Two of the problems that ancient Israel had following deliverance out of the bondage of Egypt. Number one, disbelief. Now you can go back and read, for example, in Exodus chapter 17, where they had traveled from the wilderness of sin over to Rephidim. And there, the Bible says, there was no water to drink. And so the people cried out, give us something to drink. And then, do you know what they began to do? They began to murmur and complain. They began to question in a sense, the wisdom of God, the wisdom and the power of God, saying that they had only been delivered out of Egyptian bondage so that they might be killed in the wilderness. That was foolishness. That was nonsense. In Numbers chapters 13 and 14, we read of where God, through Moses, appointed 12 men to go out and to survey the land of Canaan. Ten spies came back, and you know what? They had an unfavorable report. They lack faith in God. God said, I'm giving you this land. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey. Well, ten of the spies came back and they gave an unfavorable report. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they gave a favorable report. They said, we can go in and take the land. If you drop down to chapter 14 you'll find that the people, as a result of the unfavorable analysis of the ten spies, the people began to murmur, to grumble and complain. They were ready to, to choose for themselves a leader to go back to Egypt. That was incredulous that these people that had been delivered out of the tyranny of Egyptian bondage that they now wanted to go back to the very place that they had cried out to God for deliverance. And yet that was the very thing that they did. Disbelief and discontent. The devil's going to work on you. He's going to work on me. And there's always the danger of deceit. These people were deceived into believing that they could not accomplish what God said they could do. And then they began to murmur and complain and question the power of God and all it did was create monumental problems. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer talks about how God was angry with these people. As a result, many of the people died in the wilderness. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. When we talk about the danger of deceit, let me also add to this another factor. It's called despite. 
or despising. There are some people that despise spiritual things. If the devil can get you to the point where you despise spiritual things or say the word of God. When, when you hear the word of God proclaimed, when you read the word of God and then you begin to say, I get tired of hearing about that. Or I wish, I wish he would quit talking about that. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 13, that those who despise the word will be destroyed. Look over, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 10. In the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the writer talks about if we sin willfully, Willfully, after we have received a knowledge of the truth, he said, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. The people to whom the writer was addressing, these people had come out of Judaism into Christianity. They had obeyed the gospel. If they went back to Judaism, they need not look for another Messiah. There was, there was to be no one else coming to save them from sin. And so ultimately, to abandon Christianity would be to abandon all hope. And so in verse 27, he said, But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fierceness of fire that shall devour the adversaries. He said, Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse or sorer punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant an unholy thing, and insulted or done despite to the Spirit of grace? You and I today, we know about the grace of God, his love and mercy, his means for pardon through the work of the Holy Spirit. When individuals begin to despise the word, they are despising the very agent by which this word has come. Don't be deceived. Satan's going to try to work on you. One of the things that Satan is going to try to accomplish in your life is to get you to lower your value regarding the word of God. To look at this word as something that is not sufficient. That's not important. There are a lot of people today, they have taken a low view of Scripture. As a result of that, they have left the promised land, if you please, and are now on perilous ground. So don't despise the Word of God. Don't despise the Spirit of grace. But there's also another thing that maybe we need to touch upon as we think about the danger of deceit. This has to do with being disillusioned. The devil wants you to see visions of grandeur and, and gold and glitter in the world. What the devil wants you to do is to be deceived into thinking that what's most important is the here and now. That's where you need to hook your wagon, to the world. The Hebrew writer talks about in chapter 11, 
He talks about the faith of Moses, the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. He said, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Do, do not become disillusioned when it comes to sin. There are a lot of people, they look at, at the pleasures associated with a sinful way of life. And they abandon their Christianity. There are a lot of people that have gone back into the world. They've left the Lord. They have become enslaved once again to the world. They think about drinking and dancing, drugs. and They look at all of the things going on in our world today and they think, you know, I've got to have a part of that. I mean, that's where the real fun is. Do you remember that television commercial many years ago? It was a, an advertisement for a certain kind of beer. And there was a, a gentleman that had been a major league baseball player. And he would stand at the front of a picture window outside a tavern. And he would look inside that tavern window and see these people sitting at a bar or sitting inside talking and laughing and apparently enjoying themselves. And, and then he would look back at the camera and say, boy, they're having fun in there. That's what the devil wants you to think. But that way of life is going to satisfy you. I can promise you it won't. Finally and thirdly, turn back now, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 5. There is the danger of dullness. What we're talking about here has to do with our hearing, our reception to the Word of God. Look at verse 11. The writer said, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. You ever tried to talk to somebody that can't hear well? It's hard to carry on a conversation with a person like that. Not long ago, I had, had lunch with a fellow, and he's supposed to wear hearing aids, but he didn't have his hearing aids. Well, we couldn't even carry on a conversation. I couldn't hear, he couldn't hear a word I was saying. And, and so, it, it's difficult to communicate with people if they can't hear. Now, the writer here is talking about people who have become dull of hearing when it comes to the Word of God. I said a moment ago, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. And some of the things that we talk about, some of the points that we press, they go back to one central theme, one grand idea. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer is going to focus again on the Word of God, the Scriptures. And there are a couple of things that he's going to point out. The first has to do with our acquisition of the truth. The second thing has to do with our apprehension of the truth. These people were not listening to the Word of God. They were not 
applying themselves to the truth. As a result of that, guess what? They had very little apprehension by way of God's truth. So look at what he says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, Matthew 13, 9. You and I, we have to be very attentive when it comes to the Word of God. Sometimes individuals will let the Word of God go in one ear and out the other. And the writer here is saying, you need to be very careful. Do not become dull in your hearing. Take what is said, make it a part of your life, grow, mature, and in so doing, God will bless you. There's the danger of having dull ears. What about you today? When you examine your Christian life, when you think about your relationship to the Lord, have you taken the necessary steps to protect the life that you have with the Lord? The Bible tells us we need to be careful. Many years ago, my cousin had a friend that lost his life in the Vietnam War. He had been over there for one week. He was riding in a Jeep and he hit a landmine. He was killed. There are a lot of landmines out there in the world, spiritually speaking. And if you're not careful, you'll step on one of those landmines and it will destroy you. And what the Hebrew writer is saying to you and to me is be faithful. Guard your spiritual life. Do everything you can to protect this life. Why do you exercise? You do so because you understand it has to do with preventative maintenance. Well, the Bible says bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Guard yourself. Live faithfully. If you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, could we encourage you to come to Christ, believing that He is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. The Bible also says, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you would be willing to repent, I know you'd be happy to confess Him before others. And then to be immersed in water for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. God will then add you to the church, Acts 2.47. And if you're faithful till death, the promise, the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? Why not let us pray with you and for you? God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?